This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Hey, it's Christy. Welcome back to Do The Work. Today and every day, we will talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, and your experiences. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome back to Do The Work. I have invited a most marvelous woman and friend of mine, Nancy Cajun, here to be with me today, and I feel really excited to talk with you, Nancy. Welcome. Well, thank you. So glad you're here, Nancy. Well, I'll tell you more, a little more about her as we go, but here's, here's a few things about her. Nancy brings over a decade of experience working with the Global 500 C-Suite and the heads of HR in the biggest organizations in the world. She facilitates conversations and knowledge sharing. She's also a writer and entrepreneur and has dozens of articles to her name as well as three books. What? Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, only one of them my friends would want to read, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. What are they about? Well, uh, two of them are technical books, and one of them is about signing with hearing babies. Well, actually, there's oh. there's a follow-on to that one, so there's two there. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, Nancy, you got to put that stuff out in the newsletter, the neighborhood <laughs> newsletter. <laughs> Deeply connected to Eastern Europe for the past 30 years. Why? Um, I served an LDS mission in uh, Russia, in Moscow, in the very first mission, and even before that, it was, for whatever reason, I had a really serious pull towards Russian-speaking and Eastern Europe. Wow. So, yeah. She lived in Russia during the early 90s and watched the Soviet Union dissolve. Mm-hmm. Her respect for the Ukrainian people grows every day, mm-hmm. which is all that you sent me as a bio. But that doesn't even touch the surface of who you are, Nancy, as a person and a gatherer. I moved in to Nancy's neighborhood Uh, just over eight years ago. And I didn't know her very well at all. And she invited me to join a tap class. (laughs) She said, there's a group of ladies that do tap once a week. And I was like, what are you? Like, that's my secret dream. (laughs) I could not believe it. I bought myself some tap shoes and was loving every second of it until I found out there was a performance. (laughs) Yeah, we all hated that. That was over the top for me. I was like, oh my gosh. But in the end, it was so fun. I loved it so much. But that's who Nancy is. I I come to the neighborhood. It didn't stop at tap. She she had to sign up for ski. I don't ski. And I had signed myself up for Lady Ski Day. <laughs> I was wanting to be in the in the uh, neighborhood. And, and I just cannot. I cannot thank you enough. I'm sure there was more. Were there other things, Nancy, that I'm I don't know. missing now? But well, how could you grow up in Utah and not ski? I know. Oh my gosh! It is. I mean, I didn't grow up in thing. Utah, <laughs> and I started skiing in my 40s. Yeah. And uh, so when I found out, you know, it was so wonderful, then I was like, okay, ladies, let's yeah. all go, let's all ski, and <laughs> let's all have a good time. It was really a great thing for me. And you did, did it with your sister. Yeah, my sister came yeah. and did it with us, and I actually really liked it. I. I, I'm, I'm afraid of it, I guess. I don't know. It scares me to go fast and I can't control where I'm going very well, but I really did enjoy it. And you're right. How I grew up not skiing. First of all, growing up, we would go with our church group every, once a year 
And my friends would take me to the top of where they ski. Mm. And then I'd take my skis off and I'd scoot down on my bottom the whole way down the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I don't ski probably because I never, I never learned. We didn't have the resources to. Yeah. You you didn't do the bunny hill. They wouldn't let you do the bunny hill. Oh no, my friends were skiers. So they're like, come on, we're going to go. And I, it wasn't good. (laughs) In fact, I'm starting to sweat just thinking about it. That would be traumatic. traumatic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was, um, yeah, I just never learned how to ski. So My point being is you are a gatherer, you are a lover of people, and you are genuinely good in through and through in your heart. I just really know that about you, Nancy. Doing things together is always better, right? If you have a group, especially women getting together and trying challenging things like tap dancing and skiing. (laughs) We were good at tap. Oh, (laughs) I don't know if I'd say that, but we made it through the performance. I was so proud of us. (laughs) I know, me too. Nancy, actually, if you've listened to other podcasts, Nancy is the artist that convinced me to try to draw. Um, Who did I draw? The Russian composer. Yes, Stravinsky. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. And just shocked me. So she she literally has gotten me on in tap shoes, on on a ski slope, and doing art. All at the same time. Same time. All things I would never have seen my, I'd never put those together, Nancy. That's yeah. really, yeah. really sweet to me. Well, Thank in the you. art we learned on Lake Powell. Yeah, I know. Was that so was so glorious. much fun. That was a beautiful trip. It was. Yeah. And no paddle boarding too. We've yeah. done paddle boarding together. Oh, oh yeah. She gathers yeah. people to paddle board. Yeah. Made too. you buy that paddle board. And... I bought two after I did it. I loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. She is a gem, and I'm so grateful to have her here today. I asked Nancy to come because of an experience that I had. It's December, and I want to talk about giving and Mm -hmm. um, loving and just seeing other people, what it does to us. Nancy was walking her dog. I live with a field behind my house, and she was walking her dog in the field behind my house. And we started to chat. I knew Nancy was up to her neck in working with a new nonprofit that was helping those who have been so affected in Ukraine. The, the war had just broken out, right? Or when when did the war break out? In February 24th in 2002. Tw- 2021. 22. 22. Yeah. Okay. So we're 18 months, 19 months, 630 days into the war. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I knew she was doing a lot for that. And I, I had done a little like fundraiser with a bike ride that I had done. And I thought, oh, you know, good for me. I'm, I, I helped with the people with Ukraine. So when I saw Nancy walking through my backyard, the truth is I didn't really want to ask her about it because <laughs> I was feeling guilty already oh. that I wasn't doing more. You know, I was trying to tell myself, I'm good. I do a lot of good things. But yeah. so I didn't really want to ask her about it. I felt I felt that shame for not being proactive. I asked her anyway. She lit up and began to tell me about a, all that's happening, a, the, a, the things that they were doing to help the Ukrainians. And she was telling me about a fundraising dinner that they were planning. And then she she asked, would I like to come? Mm-hmm. And do you want to bring some friends? And by this point, when you see Nancy lit up like a Christmas tree with when she spoke of the miracles that were happening with them, I couldn't help but feel a desire to help. So I said, yes. I sent out invites to several people, and two of my friends said, yes, I'd like to come. One brought her husband. I cannot explain what happened to me at that dinner. 
it was so inspiring, mm-hmm. so inviting. So it was a fundraising dinner. Mm-hmm. And they had really all they had they did was say what the organization did, mm-hmm. the stories of people who had given in the past, mm-hmm. and Alex Boyer sang a song that mm-hmm. he had written. Was yeah. that the program basically? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. We wanted to share with people since the beginning of To Ukraine with Love. That's the organization. The most important thing has been connecting one Ukrainian with one American and making that deep connection and. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing what you can do for one person. And so that's, we shared those stories of families who had touched families. Um, And as you saw there, it's the Americans who thank us for the opportunity to help them. I mean, the Ukrainians can, of course, always thank the the Americans who helped them. But I was really surprised that the Americans were so grateful because like you, they wanted to do something, but they didn't know how. And that's the thing that uh, we have been able to, to figure out is how do we connect people together so that the giver and the receiver both receive a blessing from it? Yes. Well, by the end of the night, I was wanting to donate. You know, you, I walked into there thinking, okay, I can, I can give this much. And by the end, I'm like, I have so much. Let me give. But not only that. So what they did do is that they build, they do a lot of things. Uh, t- quickly tell us what your organization does. So the main focus that we have is feeding people in eastern Ukraine where they're right on the border of the of the battles. Um, we serve eight, oh, 7,300 meals a day, um, seven days a week. What, 7,300 people, two meals a day. Wow. Seven days a week. 7,700. 7,300. People. Yes. That's risen, Nancy, since we've talked last. Yes, it has. Yes, we've expanded because the need is so great. And for $10 a month, we can feed them two meals a day. And these are the elderly and women with children whose husbands either have gone to war or who have passed away in the war, who have been killed. And so these are people in small villages who have no access. Many times the roads are mined. There are no, there's no bus system to get to the grocery store. A lot of times they live in homes without electricity or heat. And so it's the one place they can come and gather. There's the gathering again, gather together, uh, eat a meal, talk with their neighbors, help each other, and really just bond together in the sense that people care and we can be together and help each other. And it's so sweet because in the summer, the people who were being served were being were bringing their own vegetables and fruits and you know everything to enhance the meals so they were sharing as well they didn't want to be just taking they wanted to give and to share with each other so it's been a, an amazing experience there so we feed on the eastern side and then in the area that's near Kiev, we uh, build homes for people whose homes were destroyed on their own land on their own land yes so um, you know, these are people who uh, people might know these cities, Bucha, Irpin, uh, Makarev. Those were all very hard hit in the early days of the war. So these are people who's uh, who suffered tragedies when the Russians came through and indiscriminately shot rockets off. There were no there was no military target there. They were just killing people, shooting them down in the street. Um, just horrors that having lived in Russia, I can't imagine they would ever do that. But there it is. They did that. And so uh, many of these people have lost their family members, um, you know, seen them blown up right next to them. I mean, just horrors. They they stayed for 20 days in a root cellar, hoping they would survive. Many of them were, you know, beaten up or, you know, their their brothers or sons were taken away, never to be seen again. 
And um, place is very important to Ukrainians. They live in one place and they never move. It's not like America where we move all around. They don't move very much. And so many of the homes that were destroyed were in generations had built those homes by their own hands because there's not a big building construction industry there. People just build their own homes step Mm -hmm. by step. And so um, we go in, we clean the lot, uh, and then we build them a factory-built home. So the homes are built in a factory and then brought on site and then set there. And they're beautiful wood homes. The wood comes, everything inside is Ukrainian, um, everything except... The the stove has to come from Turkey, but that's the only thing that we don't uh, we purchase it from Ukraine. But everything else is made in Ukraine, and uh, Ukrainian four hundred uh, men are employed by the by the modular house program, and and it's not very expensive. It's like twenty two thousand dollars for a studio house, and then thirty five thousand dollars for a three bedroom home. And so you know you can a one two three bedroom home, and you know it's interesting. People think it's going to be really hard. To yeah. build a home, it's a big sacrifice. Yeah. But then when they see that family, when they meet them on Zoom, when they connect with them, which I know is the experience you had, that it was nothing. Thank you, Nancy. So we're sitting at that dinner. And before the night was over, I'm saying to my friends, we got to give a house. Like we we can't we can't just write a check tonight. We got to we've got to raise money to give a house. And I'm like, are you guys in? They're like, we're in. And Alex Boyer was sitting next to me at the table and my friend points to him and I turn to him and say, are you in Alex? Can you help us build a house? He says, yes. So we left there just on fire. Like we want to help. We want to help. I will admit the next morning I thought, what in the heck did I just commit to? (laughs) That's a lot of work. That is, what are we doing? So we got together. We talked about, okay, we'll do just a little open house at one of our friends' houses, stand-up tables. We'll tell the story and we'll just try and earn enough to build one house. And then I'm still not sure what happened, but <laughs> I know I, I, I sort of think you're the ma- you're you're a big piece of that magic. But Nancy connected me with someone who knew someone at Wadley Farms, and I went over and introduced myself to the owner there and told him what we were doing. And he's walking us around. And what do you need? And I said, Well, we'd just really love it if we could just have this small, you know, part over here. And he said, No. You need more than that. You need the you need the castle. So now a family room gathering turned into the castle gathering. A castle. And which it is means, a castle. Yeah. Which means we need 120 more people to come than what mm-hmm. we were planning on, which means food, all all of it. It just it makes me want to cry. Just it just happened step by step by step. And we had the most beautiful experience. By generosity of everyone else, we basically had to ask and we had to set up is really Mm -hmm. what it was. Sort of. Wadley did a ton of that as well. But and then we came that night and I'm like, oh, please, please let us get enough for a house. Will you remind me how much we raised that night? Um, Just that night, it was seventy thousand dollars. And that was after raising thirty five thousand dollars for the house the original house that you wanted to build. So it was about $100,000, a little bit more, a little bit less in there. And then uh, we, you know, we connected with people after that and we're excited to, you know, work with them and and connect. And I think if I remember correctly, we there was another house that came out of that evening as well. So uh, three families in the family, the first family, you helped the Gubenko family. Um, actually, I was in Ukraine last month 
And I didn't get to see them. I actually asked them to come to one of the events, but I sent them a set of towels that said home sweet home on them from oh, you. Oh, you so did. I did. And see, thanks for covering for yeah. me. <laughs> You're so sweet because what they do is, so when you give someone a house, you get to be on, on Zoom when this family walks into this house. So they've been living in what, where, where, I mean, what are like sellers? They've been living in lots of different, not, yeah. not on their land, not in a warm place. I remember Hearing, you know, just that we, we couldn't believe we'd have hot water. Again. Yes. Or, yes. I mean, just you, you cannot believe what they've been living without. Yeah. And their gratitude for a safe place, like to walk into a door that locks and they, where they're safe with, where their family can gather. Mm-hmm. gather. Yeah, a kitchen table where they can eat together because there's, they're all living five people in one room and they all have to sit on their bed to eat. And, uh, you know, families who are living five people in one bed in their garage. Yeah. You know, because the garage didn't get destroyed. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It, it is just marvelous. So Karen and Rachel and Kevin and I were at the dinner and then we recruited Dina to come in. Mm-hmm. And it really is one of the highlights. I would say that that evening, when you feel generosity, mm-hmm. when you see people choosing to give freely. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain the feeling. I Do you have language for it? I don't have language. I don't know, but it's the reason why I do this and I continue to do it, even though sometimes it's very difficult is, you know, watching people experience the joy of giving yeah. and then watching people experience the joy of receiving mm-hmm. and like a pure sense. You didn't know those people at all. You didn't know the Gubenko family, mm-hmm. but you, you wanted to give from your heart. And the thing is you gave till it hurts because it, and you know, it hurt because it, maybe it wasn't all your money, but it was your time and your Mm -hmm. effort and your fear that it won't happen. And, you know, calling all of your friends, you know, yeah, (laughs) asking them to come and support you, you know, that that's difficult. You know, that's something that I think is important to address when, when we think of giving is that, you know, we needed help. We couldn't just go give a hundred thousand dollars. We needed to ask people and all of us would be like, oh, okay, we got to send it to every contact we have. And then we'd like shrink back like, oh, I just can't do it. And then yeah. one of us would send a rah-rah like, this is not about us. This yeah. is about a mother and a son and a grandma who yeah. don't have somewhere to live. And as soon as we could take, this is what I talk a lot about on this podcast is not giving in to fear of mm-hmm. what other people think of us and really just aligning ourselves with who we really are. As soon as we could remind ourselves what our purpose was, mm-hmm. we were calling people we barely met. You're like, hey, yeah. will you come? How, you know, just asking Wadley Farms, can you give us this? And other people to just, once we were reminded of what it was really about, mm-hmm. but our own fear and our shame comes in and mm-hmm. says, people are like, yeah. you can't just be asking people for yeah. stuff. The truth is, Yes, we can. Yeah. My mom taught me this thing when I was little. She said, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? They'll say no. Yes. And that's okay. Yes. You know, and and I've worked with lots of people who, you know, I wish they would give to the charity that I love. Yeah. You know, it would be nice, but they're doing their own thing. They yeah. have their own place that they're, you know, in and that's okay. Yes. And, you know. I actually watched you live that in lots of different ways. You really are. 
Thanks. There's not a like, well, that was a good, nice friendship or over and out. You know, <laughs> if you don't love, then I don't love you. you know, I, I saw you. I saw you invite and then love and surrender. Well, and there are times in everyone's life where they're in a place where they can do something and then they're in a place where they can't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the most important thing is to acknowledge where people are at and just even if you can't understand them, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt that they're doing the best that they can. And, uh, you know, and other people will step in. I mean, I think there were a lot of people at that event you guys didn't know who people who invited people because we ended up having to set up how many extra tables at the last minute. I know. I can't remember. Two or three. Yeah. So it was I mean, it was a crowded event. It was so, so glorious. It yeah. was just such a beautiful night. Yes. And the love, the love that I felt, the the connection that I felt, mm-hmm. there was just so much yeah. there. And in the end, it was all for someone that none of us had met before. Right, right. And it really, you you get this all the time because you do this full time now. You quit your job, right? I quit my job. But wait, tell us what your company said when you first started <laughs> this because I think that's miraculous too. Well, um, when the war first started, it was actually really difficult for me because um, my husband's from Moscow. He's Armenian, but we've spent our whole lives, well, our whole married lives watching the tragedy of Putin in Russia yeah. and um, he has some very personal family ties to some things that Putin had done in uh, one of the areas in the former Soviet Union. And so it's been difficult. And so I spent the first few weeks just numb. Yeah, I'm sure. And um, at one point, I collect, I connected with Svetlana Miller, the founder of the charity. And we happened to be on the phone in this crazy situation Um Vasil Asopenko is her uncle. He's a tennis pro, which I think you know Vasil as well. And um, he called me from Poland while she was on the phone with someone else. And um, we we heard over the phone that a hospital had been bombed. And we were talking to the head uh, surgeon for the children's division. And he said that they had bombed the children's wing and that the babies were were dying. And I got off that call. And I called the CEO of my business and I, my, the company I worked for then, and I said, what are we going to do? And we worked with C-suite Fortune 500 companies. And so he said, I'm going to get to all my contacts. I'm going to, you know, we're going to change this. We're going to do something. And he said, and I donate you to Ukraine. So you go ahead and do whatever you need to do right now to help Ukraine. And so, um, yeah, so he knew that sometimes a resource is better than money. And so that started my volunteering for a year, about a year. And, um, you know, and then I was sucked in and it was like, do your job and then do 60 hours of, (laughs) of Ukraine, you know, and, uh, and literally my whole life was set up just to do this. My, you know, serving a mission, learning Russian, you know, being a writer, you know, working in design, all those things were just the skill set that was necessary. And so I really felt like God had put me in this place at this time to do this thing. And even though it was long hours and my poor family thinks I abandoned them, (laughs) it was it was basically the pinnacle of my life is to be able to do the things, you know, that God had asked me to do and use the skills that he had given me. And I feel grateful, very grateful for the opportunity to um, you know, help these people in this time and be with them in their suffering and then see their joy and then turn around and watch the joy of the people who have given. 
Um, you know, that's one of my favorite things is when we're on a call gifting a home is to talk to the people who are giving the home and see what it meant to them to give that home. And, you know, they will thank me. And it's not me, you know, it's the charity, but they will thank us for being able to give them the opportunity, even though they thought it was going to be hard. Yes. But the joy is so overwhelming. It's life changing. Yes, it is. It is just so beautiful. As you were saying that, I thought you have shared some like deeper details as well. You were on the Faith Matters podcast, Mm -hmm. so they can look up Svetlana Miller and Nancy Mm -hmm. Cajun there. Mm -hmm. Are there other places where you've, that someone could learn more about that? Well, the the website is toukrainewithlove.org, and um, you can see what we're working on, what we're doing there. Um, Deseret News has uh, several articles. Uh, KSL has some things on there. And then we have a YouTube channel with, I think it's like 700 videos. Mm. So you can watch families receive homes. You can see the Hot Meal Centers, you know, and, and see what's happening there. And we have done other uh, efforts, but this is really where we have focused now because uh, Svetlana Miller, the founder, met President Zelensky uh, actually three times, and he said, "What is most needed from you is food and housing." Hmm. And so um, we've worked on some other big housing projects, but our main focus really is on the one. And so, so we try to help you help Ukraine. It's so beautiful. Go go watch those. The stories are so inspiring. Um, listen to the podcast. It was really insightful on Faith Matters as yeah. well. That was really insightful. Yeah. And you should know, I mean, we went in there to talk about prayers being answered. Yeah. And uh, they asked us what we were praying for. Yeah. And we told them we yeah. were praying our housing effort was having to close uh, because we we didn't have any more Christie's. Uh, <laughs> or the woman from Faith Matters, they did a home yes, too they as did. well, right? Yes, and so we didn't have any more people. It was after Christmas, and people were like, you know, we're happy we gave. Um, and so we were praying to keep the housing program open and to keep these men uh, employed, and it would take 20 homes a month. And so uh, we said that was our prayer. And literally before the podcast aired, the Lord answered our prayer and answered it in a way that, we like tenfold of what we thought it would be because we'd asked for 20 homes a month. And we had someone who came into our lives who said, I will do 20. And then he said, I want to do the loaves and the fishes. I want to, I want to make, I want to do more. I want to be the good Samaritan. I want to be the example of what should be. And I'm going to get my friends and my acquaintances together. And we're going to do 50 a month. Oh my word. Yes. So this year, in total, we've built 353 houses since the beginning of the housing effort. Yeah, so it's been incredible. Nancy. Um, and we are, we are, things have shifted. The market has shifted. Things have shifted. And so we don't have um, that incredible opportunity anymore. Like the dinners that we had, the dinner or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, so we'll go back to traditional fundraising now. But for eight months, it was incredible to watch. Oh, you mean you've had him for eight months? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we've had a donor and it has been incredible. And now we're going back to the, you know, let's have a dinner. Let's raise $100,000 and build three houses. And so, I mean, we're excited. Um, Yeah. And I mean, we have, he's offered a match for people who want to build a home. So, you know. Right now, there's a match. There's a match. So if you raise enough to build a home, he will buy a home. 
actually, if you raise half enough for a home, he will pay, pay the other half. half. I yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a opportunity for people who want to do something. Um, you know, it's, it's been an incredible experience. We also were able to build, um, a large community in Ukraine and a small, a smaller community for 165 elderly people. It's the first senior living center in Ukraine using the same houses that we build, um, the modular homes, putting them together with little porches and little gardens and everything. And, um, this last week we've been helping people, 49 families, uh, get into homes in a small, like one street, sort of, we call it a village of dreams. And, uh, and it's been, and then, uh, furnishing apartments in Kiev so that people could move in there. So, um, I think it's something like almost 3000 people will be in homes by the end of the year. So it's not been a small effort. We we will go back to being a much smaller effort, but yeah. the, but 2023 has been Maybe. an incredible year. Maybe you will. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who will hear this and no, choose and, to yeah. help, right? Yeah. I mean, I, and it would be great. Either way is great. I think the thing, one of the things is we sat at that dinner in Mapleton that night was hearing the story of the couple that it saved money to mm-hmm. buy a house. Mm-hmm. And then when they heard what was going on and what you were doing, they gave their down payment they did. for the house that they were going to build. Yep. The Shelleys. Yeah. And also her, uh, her college tuition was in there in that as well, not just their down payment, but they gave the college tuition for her nursing school. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And they're a young couple in their twenties and, you know, but when they saw what they could do, that a family needed that home more than they did. And then, you know, that they had so many things in life that those people were not living under peaceful skies and that they were living outside. They gave from their heart and they gave till it hurts. Yeah. Just is unbelievable to me. Yeah. It, it, we have the scarcity mentality so often when we have so much. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear what scarcity really looks and sounds like, it is astounding, really. And and their willingness to follow that. I'm I, you know, I had the, oh my gosh, what have I done at just committing to help to ask other people to help buy, you know, build a house. But it's just beautiful to me. Yeah. And it was his parents who came to him and they had helped to build a house. And his father came to him and said, We can do this again. We can do another one. Will you join me? Will you do this with me? And he said, yes, right away. And, uh, you know, that's an incredible, I mean, those parents raised a really good son, but they (laughs) they taught him. Yeah. They taught him to give. mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I, it was a wonderful thing and somebody stepped in to help pay her, um, college education. Oh, they did. Yeah. So she received a scholarship. So I don't know if they've been able to uh, get the down payment for their house yet, but she did, you know, she was blessed her. She didn't have to, you know, give up her dream because it's the loaves and the fishes, right? If you give and you give what you had, because that boy who came and he had, you know, the loaves and the fishes and they were thinking, well, we're going to feed this, this many people. And the Lord said, give me those and I will multiply it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he was sitting there thinking, I just gave up all my money Mm -hmm. to get these loaves and fishes. And I'm not giving this because my friends aren't going to eat, but the Lord said, give it to me and I'll make it more. Mm. And then there was so much that even gathered up, you know, the remnants 
And so that really is, we have to remember that, that when we give, the Lord will multiply it so much that we'll have an overflow. And so, yeah. I, I do believe that with my whole soul. And I saw it and I felt it and everything around that night. You told a few different stories like that that were similar. I can't remember the the exact um, details, but it's so beautiful, Nancy. It's so beautiful. So we're we're Christmas time. And we like to get the right gift. You know, we want to make sure that someone feels, I've already exposed, I'm not a good gift giver. <laughs> and I don't, I don't love it so much. Um, this kind of giving, I love because I can, I see, I see that I have excess and I want to give in that mm-hmm. way. But at Christmas, we feel this pressure to give and, and make sure it's, it's a good gift and, it looks good and whatever else around giving. What principles would you say go into giving? Are there stories that you can share? Tell me, what would you say to that? Well, I find often that people, when they give, they want to give what they want to give. Okay, that's true doctrine. And and they don't look at the person and see what that person person needs or what that person wants to be given. Mm. Um, We have a neighbor, a mutual neighbor who... Um, was in a very difficult situation. She had a daughter who uh, was killed in a car accident. And her uh, friend came over and said, you know, what can I do to help? And the woman said, you can wash my floors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, how many times you go to somebody's house and they're going to say, wash my floors, right? But she didn't need a, she didn't need a plate of cookies. She didn't need, you know, uh, you know, kind words. Well, she needed kind words, but she didn't, right then she needed her floor washed. Right. And um, our neighbor got on her hands and knees and washed it with a, with a rag because that was the way the woman did it, not with a mop. She liked to wash her floors with a rag. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think a lot about her and that she would do that, that she would, she would serve the woman the way she wanted to be served and in the way she, she needed it. And that she gave her this gift of a clean floor. And so... Um, you have to really think about what it is that the person wants and needs, not necessarily what you want to give them. And sometimes that isn't, you know, a present wrapped with a bow. Sometimes that's something else. It is, you know, I'll hang up those curtains for you or I'll mow your lawn or, you know, something like that. Uh, and really when you give someone something that they need, it's so much better for you mm-hmm. because you're fulfilling something for them. And that fulfills something in your heart as well. So true. And that and a lot of times it doesn't come from a store. And that's hard because it's easy to just go on Amazon and, you know, order and have it shipped and, you know, oh, I got it this on Black Friday. It's such a good deal. <laughs> so true. As you're saying that, I'm thinking, but you'd have to know a person. You'd have to be willing to be connecting throughout yes. the year or through in your life to be able to know what the need is. And you have to be vulnerable, yeah. right? So you have to be willing to say, I'm here for you. And for some people, that's really hard. hard. Yeah, to say, I'm here for you in a way that you need me to be here. Because you're opening yourself up to criticism, you know, to being hurt because what you did wasn't the right thing. Mm. Um, You know, that's, that's true. That's a vulnerable spot to be in. But I'll tell you that it's so much better 
than giving a box from Amazon. I mean, and maybe the gift does come from Amazon. Maybe it's something that it's they not do that need. bad if it's from Amazon. No, no, right? no, no. Yeah, <laughs> no. And it, but but what do you know? What is the thing that's really going to help now? Yeah. And uh, you know, what gift do they? What is the desire of their heart? Yeah. And can I give them something for the desire of their heart? And watching these people receive food, right? I mean, you wouldn't think too much about it, but watching them, you a know, hot eat meal. a hot meal. A delicious hot meal. We're not talking gruel. We're talking, you know, really nice food. And just to see the smiles on their faces and how it lights up their day to know that someone cares. And, uh, you know. Tell us about the boy. Do you remember that story? Will you tell us that story? Yeah. So one of the cities that we we have our hot meal center is in the city of Kharkiv, which has been just bombarded by uh, rockets and, and all sorts of things. And so... There's this young man named Artem who comes every day to the Hot Meal Center in Kharkiv. And um, when Svetlana was there, one of the times she saw him and he just— Because you had just seen him like in a picture or a video that they'd made, right? Yeah. Well, yes, I'd, I'd seen his picture and he just something about him. He was just magnetic. Yeah. And so she went back uh, a couple months later and she talked to him. And he told her this his story. And um, he was he's 13 years old. His uh, apartment building was bombed and his grandmother was killed and his mother was crippled and uh, she cannot leave the house. So he gets up every morning and goes to Zoom school, school, online school, and then he goes and stands in line to get them the only hot meal, you know, the only food that they have because you know, at 13, he's not cooking, you know, I mean, it's a little bit hard. And so that's what they receive every day. And so he lines up every day to receive, you know, take these meals home. And that's one of the things it's not just eating there. They bring their, you know, Tupperware and their glass jars, and we fill them up so they can take food home. You can eat here and you can take a meal. And then that way, you know, we feed them, you know, wherever they're at, we feed them in hospitals and, you know, you know, when, when they can't come, we deliver it to their home. And, you know, when they need medication, we try to get whatever it is that they need to make sure, you know, they're going to survive to outlast this horror that's happened to them. And Artem, to me, is like, he's an example of what you can really do in life. You can make a difference for this mother who, can you imagine being in that situation and having your 13-year-old son have to be the one to take care of you? No, so. I cannot. It just is so beautiful to me that, you know, our, the, again, just the safety and abundance that we have here, that our children have only to um, hear this, that this boy goes to school, comes and gets food for he and his mother who can't, the, 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 I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It feels so sweet to me. And as you were telling that, I thought, you know, I just had that experience in my own way. My uh, father passed away this week, and and I don't know what order this podcast will go out, but my father passed away. And when I texted some friends, you're talking about food. I had a couple experiences. Um, there's a, a man, a family that grew up across the street from my family, and I texted 
he and his wife and just said, I, they are so sweet when they're in town. And, well, they've actually moved here now, but the, they go visit my parents. And I said, I just wanted to let you know that my dad passed away. And his wife, who did not grow up across the street and may not love my parents like he loves my parents, she probably does knowing her. She said, I'm bringing you, I'm bringing you soup and salad and rolls tonight. How many people will be there? Mm-hmm. It was just an immediate, I know you have to eat. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring you this. Yes. I came from home from the hospital that day and my fridge was completely full to overflowing on my counter full of food as well from friends who had come and said, I know you have to eat. Yeah. And they had filled my bucket and Mm -hmm. my jar and my Tupperware. And it runneth over, right? And it runneth over. And I just, as you were describing that boy, I just thought, oh, I just had that experience. I didn't even know. Didn't even know I yeah. needed it, but the love, the absolute love and, and like, I'm going to be okay when someone is there to say, mm-hmm. let me help. So you're doing it on a really big scale in Ukraine, but we have opportunities here, Yeah, wherever we are, wherever you live, where can you drop off some soup? Yeah. And it's not just the soup. It's the fact that you cared exactly. to bring something, right? That they're not alone. You're not alone. You know that now you're not alone because you know you have these friends that they may not be with you physically, but spiritually and emotionally, they're next to you. And we have so many people say that to us. It's not just the home. It's the fact that you listen to us, that you cared to understand us, that you stand with us, that, you know, you listened to our suffering and were there with us. You did not look away. That is ex- was it the Gubenko family or the other family that she was a physician? And yes, Gubenko. Was, was she the, yes. Gubenko? She didn't want to stop talking. She wanted to tell us her story. Mm-hmm. She wanted us to know the suffering that she'd experienced. <laughs> that is just so human. Yeah. Some people will hide under a rock and not want to tell, but that doesn't mean they don't want to be seen. It's afraid. It just means they're afraid to want to be seen yes. for fear that they won't be seen, right? Mm-hmm. But she just kept ex- trying to help us understand all that she had lost. Yeah. And it's hard because her neighbors had all gone through the same thing. So it's not like you can go to your neighbor and say, can I tell you what happened to yeah. you? Yes. Right. So you gave this, you gave a That's home, so but you gave, true. yeah, you gave something more. You gave your time, you gave your ear, you gave, you know, your care. And for it to know that someone who's 8,000 miles away will listen, that's almost as important as the house. And and sometimes I think it's more important. I agree. So just listening and, and not, you know, what can you say back? Except this is so horrible. You can't even say I understand, right? And it no, doesn't matter. No, I can't even come close to understanding. <laughs> but just saying, I, I can't understand this, but I can listen and I can share my love with you. And watching, you know, you you all, the ladies and, and Kevin who had raised the money. Karen, Rachel, Dina. Yes. yes. And Kevin. Yeah. Ke- oh, bless Kevin. <laughs> yes. Bless Kevin. <laughs> yes. And watching you watch her and listen to her and watching your eyes and the love that you sent across the world. It was palpable, even though it was electronic. You could feel the love on both sides. It was. And, uh, you know, that kind of uh, opportunity is priceless. I agree. Yeah, it's pure love. It's you had no you had nothing invested in her, but you gave love to her without any hope of reward back. Okay. Okay. I love what you just said. We've commercialized 
our mm-hmm. Christmas, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. what's the next best toy, and it's all about the best things. But pure love has needs nothing back, including your approval of the gift that I've given you. That's right. Right. It just I'm just giving because I love and I and and my heart reaches towards other people when I love. Yes. I'm really wanting to connect this big give and this humongous need to Orem, Utah or you know, Orlando, Florida, or wherever you're listening from Montana, New Jersey, wherever you're listening from, there's different countries as well. How can you take what we've talked about today? So I'm going to ask you that, Nancy. We have to wrap up here. I want to know, first of all, what have I missed? Is there anything that we should talk about before? No, I think we've done a good job. Okay, so I, I want to wrap up with what can one person take today? And apply. They may not choose to donate to yeah. a, a charity, your charity, any charity. But what can they take? What can they apply to their lives today that is so easy for you to see in the work that you do? I think one of the most important things is to, if you believe in God or if you believe in a higher power of some kind, is to be open and listen. And God will tell you what it is that he needs you to do. And you, I think instead of praying, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that, we sit and we, we say, I'm open. Send your message to me and then be willing to do it. No matter how hard it is, say, okay, yes, I will do this. And when you do that, you get the blessing as well as the person that you serve. And sometimes it is just bringing soup. Sometimes it is you know, it can be something big, giving home, having this event, which was going to be a small dinner, turning into this massive, you hors-d'oeuvres. know. It was started yeah, out it, as hors d'oeuvres. You're right. It was hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> and Dina was going to cook them, right? <laughs> Dina is such a good cook. Yeah. Follow Dina's diner yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. And so, so to go from, you know, you listen to what the Lord wanted. He wanted more out of you. He wanted you to stretch further. And you listen, you all listen to what he wanted. And if you open yourself up to saying, what is it that I can do today? What is it that I can do tomorrow? What is it that, you know, I should keep in my mind and then listen and it will come. It will just come. You will be shocked at how often you will be blessed by listening to this. You will receive the blessing. You will give a blessing, but you'll receive a blessing back. And sometimes it's multiple fold what you gave. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I would add to that, and we've touched on it before, but once you've asked, let go of the fear of what yeah. other people are going to think of mm-hmm. you. You know, when, when again, when we were thinking of all the people that we needed to just invite, because you know you only get mm-hmm. a certain amount of um, the fear of, oh, I don't hardly know them, or they already gave to something I was doing a while ago mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. But to let go of the fear, to 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 remember we have one God, to yeah. not make everyone else our God, to give us power, to, you know, to tell yeah. us if we matter or don't matter, or we're good or bad. But to, I love what you said, to ask, what did you say? I'm open? Yes, I'm open. Yeah. I'm Whatever open. you send it to me, I will do it. And so instead of saying, I need, I need, I need, I need. Yeah. You know, then say, send me what you need. Send me what you need me to do, and I will do it. 
And then you're not afraid because you know you're on the Lord's errand. Yeah. Right. You can ask because you've got it's like, not about you. No, it's not about you. And it wasn't your request. It wasn't from your heart. It was from the Lord. Right. So you have the strength to say, okay. I, ha- I mean, it's still scary. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's not scary. It's like knocking on the doors, you know, yeah. when you're a missionary and thinking, I hope maybe they don't open the door because yeah. <laughs> then I don't have to give the door approach or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But if you open yourself up to that, this flow comes to you that blesses your life in a way you'll never expect. But this flow of gratitude comes into your life. This flow of love comes into your life. This just flow of understanding. And it keeps you going. It's really good. It's really good. One last thought. To ask what you mentioned, you know, to find out their need, to notice what their need is. My mom does not need gifts, but she asks my sister and I every year, can I have a game night a month? Mm -hmm. And so the gift of a game night, instead of some wrapped something that she will probably take back if we were to give to her anyway. So what, what is the need? And then get out of the way. Yeah. And for me, I literally have to say to myself, this is not about me Mm -hmm. over and over again, because my shame will creep in and want to make it about me. Mm -hmm. This is not about me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have to feel okay in answering people's desires, because sometimes we think, oh, a game night, whoop-de-doo, right? That's like, you know, I should do that anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then there's the guilt that, oh my gosh, I wouldn't think about doing that for my mom. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But just saying, is this, if this is where you're at and this is what you need, I'm here for you. Yes. And now I'm feeling guilty because my mom asked for a once a month date. <laughs> That's the purpose. Your mom asked me to bring you here today. <laughs> I'll go home and repent. Okay. <laughs> Bless so, you, Nancy. Thank you for the bottom of my heart for being here. Well, and I have Shame. been so blessed to have you in my life and your willingness to jump in. I mean, you're not afraid. You may say you're afraid, but... Then you jump well, I'm in. I'm afraid, but I still jump. Yeah. <laughs> you jump in. You're like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. It's been such a gift. No, and it has been for me too to be able to share that with you and and watch your your heart and your faith in everything. So thank you, Nancy. I love you. Thank I love you, you too. Here. Yeah. And I'm so grateful you moved into the neighborhood. That was like <laughs> tap shoes and all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have many choices in your day and in your week. I hope you'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience, or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire, and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.